0: On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about uh, Jesus and ask the
1: question: Is he the only way to salvation? That's a good question to ask, Jacob. Because although I think most of our listeners and in most of the places where we live, Christianity is the predominant religion, but that's not so everywhere in the world. There are places where Christianity is uh, is, is really a minority religion. And what about these other religious groups? These other major world religions? Can people be saved that way? Can they go to heaven? pursuing some other form of religion, or must we go go to the Father through Jesus?
0: And you talk about other uh, religions, and Christian, we live in a primarily Christian society, but a lot of Christians say, well, it doesn't really matter. You don't have
1: to I've, be a Christian. I've talked to Christians who say, you know, well, you can go to the Father different ways. Maybe you could be a Muslim and be saved. Maybe you could be a Buddhist and be saved. That's that's the thing we want to ask about in our study we'll tonight.
0: We'll talk about that on the Virtual Bible Study. Stay tuned. We'll get started right after this.
2: 381. Four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. This is the
0: Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, May eighteenth, two 2017. Thank you for joining us on the program today. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. My name is Jacob Gwynn. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Kyle Barnes is behind the controls tonight. Kyle, thanks for being here. It's good to be here. Thank Try you and make us sound good. You can't make us look good, but do the best you can with the sound. And uh, we're glad that you're here, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com and in the chat room. Whether you're watching us at YouTube, watching us on Facebook, or watching us at thevirtualbiblestudy.com, you're watching us live tonight, share your comments with other listeners in those chat rooms, and we can include those
1: in our discussion tonight. Jacob, earlier today to our update list, we, we indicated what our topic for discussion was going to be. That's what we always do on Thursday, shortly before noon. If you're not on our update list, you can get on it by simply sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com, say add me to the list, or you could just, uh, follow us on Facebook because we're putting the update on our Facebook page oh, as well. so now well. I don't have to
0: be on the, on the update list. You do don't you
1: have to be, but, uh, you like we, the old-fashioned way we think there's great advantages to being on the update list you get the bulletin as well we also send out our weekly bulletin on tuesday each, are you putting that week. on facebook too though just one article on facebook oh, you get, you get, you the, get whole the whole thing. thing
0: if you go with the we, yeah sign yeah. up on the update list okay yeah.
1: so uh again uh we we sent out to our update list the idea of our topic is following jesus the only way to go to heaven could you Go, try to go to heaven through Muhammad or maybe through Buddha. Those are the only ones I mentioned. Other men have started religions. Uh, and, and in the world, there are a number of other religions. But these three, Christianity, Islam, and Buddhism, are the three major world religions. I did a little uh, looking today. Christians, so, professed Christians, those who identify as Christians, constitute 32% of the world's religion. Muslims, of the worlds religion, Buddhists, ten percent of the world, so you add that all up, you got about seventy five percent of the world 's population in one of those three major religions. Uh, interestingly, not too long ago, I read an article that predicted that the Muslims would surpass the Christians in total number. Sometime in this century, perhaps as early as 2050, Mm. by 2050 there will be more Muslims in the world than there will be identified Christians in the world. Uh, So I think more and more this becomes a pertinent question to us. Like I said uh, in our brief introduction, we live in a place where everybody around us is effectively a Christian. That's not so every place in the world, and and apparently it's becoming less so as time goes on. So we're going to have to be prepared people in these other world religions and and try to share with them the truth about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So this is a topic I think that needs to be discussed. All right, so that's the purpose of our program tonight.
0: You're not probably going to disagree with us, uh, but uh, more of an idea of giving you some ammunition to use as you discuss uh, your faith with others. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? Can you follow others? Are there truths in other religions that will, well, get you to heaven? Does it really matter? Can you be, well, a lot of folks say you can make it to heaven. Or you can be Hindu and make it to heaven. Or you can be whatever. Is Christianity the only way? Is it
1: exclusive and is it taboo to say that? Yeah. A lot of people, I think there's some people who are real uncomfortable with that idea. That it's too exclusive. Too exclusive. But right. we would need to know what the Bible says about it.
0: All right. Questions at collegeview.com. You know, a lot of folks say, well, as long as you're spiritual of some kind. you know, As long as you're a spiritual person, a, a person of faith, it doesn't really matter what that faith is. I heard somebody on the radio earlier this week make that uh, point, uh, and I thought it was accurate. He, he said that a lot of folks have faith in faith. Uh, that it's just is, uh, there's something inherently good about faith, whatever the faith might be. If you have faith in an idol, if you have faith in an animal, if you have faith in a mountain or nature or Buddha or Mohammed, as long as you have faith, then there's something inherently good in that. We have faith in faith. I thought that was an, ac- an, an an accurate statement. Is that the picture we read about in the Bible?
1: Well, I don't think so. Um Maybe to start the discussion and along the lines of what the Bible will teach us about this, I think a point we need to make is that there is such a thing as absolute truth. And when you discover absolute truth, it excludes all other possibilities. Okay. For instance, when we're studying mathematics, 2 plus 2 is 4. That's absolute. There's not room for any other option in, in regards to that answer. It's an absolute established fact. And so that, that's something that's not debatable. You can't, you can't go any, way, any other way.
0: Same in, in science when you're in the laboratory and you work out the experiment and, it, and you get the results, Then that's what it is. You don't have to keep working it out.
1: I think that we can go to the Bible and prove that Jesus claimed to be absolutely and exclusively the Son of God and the only way to the Father. If we believe in him there's no room for alternatives you you can't go a different way oh and yeah. so jesus, the, the absolute truth of jesus as the only begotten son of god is critical to this question yeah. uh, you know someone could ask uh and and i i would answer fairly if someone were, and i have been asked before by the way Have you ever read the Quran? Do you do you have you you read well? I've read parts of the Quran, actually, just fractional parts of the Quran. I haven't read the whole Quran, and so someone would challenge us and say, "Well, if you haven't read all of the Quran, how do you know that Muhammad is not true?" Right. Um, Have you have you studied Buddha? Do you know the teachings of Buddha? I got to tell you, I know very little about the teachings of Buddha. Uh, I just have to admit that. Uh, That's probably a failing on my part that I haven't exposed myself to more information about Buddha and, and the things that he stood for and the kind of things that he taught. I know a little, but not a lot. Someone says, well, how can you exclude Buddha then if you haven't studied thoroughly all the things that Buddha said and did? Well, I think the answer to that is once we have established that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, it necessarily is an exclusive thing. Others are excluded if Jesus is that, and that's what we want to look at. That's the way we want to pursue our study.
0: All right, so Jesus made the claim. Did he make the claim? We look in the scriptures to find out if he did make the claim, and if he made the claim, then what does he have to show to back that up? How do we have faith in that claim that he made? And then what does that then say about these other religions? 877 In the chat room, we'll look forward to your comments there. Share your comments with other listeners tonight
1: all right so let's let's start out by talking about the things that Jesus said and did um, that prove that he was the the only begotten Son of God. I think the emphasis here has to be on only begotten he 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 claimed to be distinct, unique, and exclusive. Uh, in relationship to God. Jesus claimed to be the only begotten Son of God. For A, cu- a couple of passages that would illustrate that to us. John 5, uh, verse 17, beginning, Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because not only had he broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Uh, when Jesus called God his if I call God my Father, But they understood that Jesus was, in a sense, different than the rest of us do. We're all children of God, someone might say. But Jesus said he was the only begotten son of God. He claimed something special, and the Jews understood that. Uh, And they claimed that he was blaspheming and making himself equal to God in what he said. John 10, verse 30, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus was making that claim and the Jews understood it to be what they understood
0: he the claim and they charged him of that, and Jesus didn't say, No, 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 back up. You misunderstood me. No, he, Jesus he never, was willing to accept the he fact never, he never, that he was
1: making that claim. I think that's a good point, a good observation. He never retracted it. He never he he never tried to soften the impact of that. They understood what he was claiming. And Jesus never said, no, no, no. He stood by that claim. John 19, verse 7, the Jews answered him, we have a law, and by our law he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Yeah. So the Jews, were they understood what he said. Now, they didn't accept it, but they understood it, and Jesus never denied it. That's right. Okay. So Jesus certainly uh, laid claim to that relationship as the only begotten son of God. But it wasn't just what he claimed; it's also some of, some of the other things that he did, wherein he also, I think, sort of made that or established that uh, as who he was. Uh, I've got a short list, and some some of our listeners may add to the list. Uh, Jesus forgave sins in Mark chapter 2, beginning verse 5. That was the episode where he healed a man sick of the palsy whom they let down through the roof of a house. He, He forgave sins. The people who heard him say he said, thy sins be forgiven. And the people were shocked. Who can forgive sins but God? Yeah, and then he proceeded to do a miracle to prove. And he said, to show you that the Son of Man does have power to forgive sins. He raised the the man sick of the palsy okay. uh, in John eight verse forty six Jesus claimed or proclaimed himself to be sinless. He said he was sinless in john eight forty six He allowed people to worship him in john nine verse thirty eight I think that's kind of interesting. Because we we see that as a contrast, yep. for instance, in the book of Revelation. The angel that was revealing things to the apostle John. John fell down and would have worshipped him. The angel said, don't worship me. He uh, uh, wouldn't allow worship.
0: Peter as well in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius was bowing down to him. And he wouldn't allow it. He said, I'm just a man. But Jesus
1: allowed it. Jesus allowed himself to be worshipped. He said, 9, verse yeah,
0: the, he said I, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, no, don't, worry. Didn't say, don't worship me.
1: He accepted the worship. Yeah. Uh, he, Jesus spoke with authority. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 29, they asked him by what authority did these things. Who gave him the authority? He spoke with authority, and he, he actually said, when he was speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4, he actually said he was the Messiah. So Jesus identified himself as the only begotten Son of God, and as he went about his life and his work and his teaching, he he not only said so, he did things that would also indicate that that's who he was claiming to be. Let's
0: get that on the other side of the break. So we have the idea here that Jesus is claiming that. The scriptures are claiming it. Jesus is claiming it. If we're going to accept Jesus, we've got to accept the fact that he is the only begotten well, son of God. The,
1: here's the only caveat, though. You can claim anything. That's exactly right. You can claim, you know. Uh, to be the world's greatest I, i've used the illustration before, I, I could claim to be the world's greatest basketball player anybody can claim it but you'd sure expect me to go out on the basketball court and prove it if i made that claim i
0: need to clarify my statement if we're going to accept jesus we have to accept the fact that he claimed, what, claimed to be. and now we need to know if it can be proved. if it can be proven but there's yeah. no divorcing the fact that jesus claimed that he was the son of god we can't get around that it must um, is an established fact So, is there anything to back up the claim? We'll get your thoughts on the other side of the break. Send them in now. Sign in the chat room and chat with other listeners. Maybe just send us a message to let us know where you're listening tonight. We'd love to hear uh, from you in the chat room. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this.
2: Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. Hello,
3: my name is Trent Haynes, and I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. In a scanning of the book of Proverbs, it provides us several reasons to discipline our children. To show you don't hate them. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Chapter 13, verse 24. To give them hope, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Chapter 19, verse 18. To help them for a lifetime, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Chapter 22, verse 6. To chase away foolishness, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Chapter 22, verse 15. To save his soul, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod and save his soul from death. Chapter 23, verses 13 through 14. For your own comfort, discipline your child, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Chapter 29, verse 17. Parents need to read and understand these passages, so too should our children.
1: Here's some quotes worth pondering. Every time history repeats itself, the price of the lesson goes up. The ability to speak many languages is valuable, but the ability to keep your mouth shut at the proper time in one language is priceless. Man, wish I had said that. For he hath said, I
2: will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues.
0: We're back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, Jesus and ask the question, Is he the only way to heaven, the only way to the Father? We've uh, established the fact that Jesus claimed, the scriptures claim, that Jesus is, in fact, the only begotten Son of God. Jesus is not the only one to claim that he is, throughout history, to claim that he is the Son of God. Is it valid, is it substantiated, that Jesus is, in fact, the only begotten Son of God? Well, we have to just look at what Jesus did, and do Jesus' actions give validity to the claims that he made? One of those being that he is the only begotten Son of God.
1: So... Again, we can he proved uh, i don't think there's any uh, there's no disputing the fact that he that he made this claim now the question is can it be proved uh, and and I think of course, the answer is obviously yes uh, uh, that's why we are christians that 's why we identify ourselves as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We think there is that proof, and that 's what we want to discuss. And by the way, I'm, I'm, my computer has frozen up over here, so I did just see before I locked up that Peter is uh, watching in Australia. We haven't seen oh, Peter. Oh, good in to hear
0: from you, mate.
1: Yeah, Thanks, Peter, for good. watching in Down South under. Australia. Thank yeah. you, Peter. Um, so what would, what would you offer as proof? What would be some of the proofs that you would offer? Now, again, I want to stress that I think that as Christians, we have got to be ready to do this. We have got to be ready to make a case for jesus as the one he claimed to be the only begotten son of god i i, I think we need to have this list of of arguments in our mind ready to go because we're going to as we said the world's population is changing there's going to be more muslims than there are those who follow christ in a not too distant future you're going to be a, you're going to be in a position to be called upon to teach muslims how are you going to do it well, one of the proofs that that I think shows Jesus to be the divine, only begotten Son of God is that He lived a sinless life. Now let me give you a few verses that I think stress that Jesus lived a sinless life. Uh, John 8 verse 29 I do always those things that please Him. Yeah. Now, again, that's Him talking. Uh, and, and He could say that and maybe not even be telling the truth. If He's you know, uh, uh, uh C.S. Lewis made an argument about Jesus. I think in mere Christianity he argued that Jesus is one of three things. He is either a liar, or he's a lunatic, or he is the Son of God. Mm-hmm. He's the Savior. He had, and really those are the only three alternatives. Uh, so Jesus could have been lying here, or he could have just been flat out crazy. Or he could have been telling the truth that he was living a sinless life. I think what is impressive, though, is that his enemies also acknowledged him to be such a man. In First um, John three verse five, it says, Ye you know that he was manifested to take away our sins." And in him is no sin now that was John speaking John was one of his friends. John was a close disciple of Jesus. Jesus claimed he lived a sinless life. John claimed he lived a sinless life, but now they're not the only ones who 've ever claimed uh you've
0: talked i i'm sure you've talked to holiness Pentecostals who claim that they don 't sin. I talked with uh, one who said he he never he never sins, so they're not again jesus isn't the only one to claim that, but we have some Witness or from or testimony from some hostile witnesses here.
1: Yeah, I think I think this is probably the most impressive of all. In Mark chapter fourteen, beginning verse fifty-five, when Jesus was on trial, it says the chief priest and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death, and found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. And there arose certain and bare false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And so even when they were looking for somebody who could give an argument to condemn Jesus unto death, they weren't able to find anybody who could make an effective argument against him. And if they could have, they would have. You know, we we're hearing about all this turmoil in Washington DC you know he said she said this that another we're going to have people trying to prove this or that well uh, i want to tell you if you've got a if you've got a powerful enemy uh, like i think maybe our president has some very powerful enemies they can, they'll find something they can prove something they because we we've sinned all men have sinned except jesus didn't sin and even his enemies when they tried as hard as they could couldn't come up with anything wherein they could accuse him of having sin. They had to admit that, that he they, they couldn't
0: come up with anything uh, to blame him for. So Jesus claimed to be the only begotten son of God. His sinless life proclaimed
1: or proves that he is what he actually claims. Anything other proof that we have? Well, in addition to his sinless life, we I, I think probably something that would come to mind of most people pretty rapidly is the idea of the miracles that jesus performed yes now again jesus wasn't jesus wasn't the only person who ever performed miracles right in the old testament we read about lots of miracles and in the new testament we read about other individuals who did miracles miracles always had a purpose but in the case of jesus when jesus did miracles the purpose of his miracles was unique in that it was intended to specifically reveal and confirm him to be this only begotten Son of God. And the miracles were unlike some fake miracles that we see today, they were convincing, uh, couldn't be argued with miracles. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, again, uh, he claimed by virtue of his miracles that he was proving a Son of God, but even his enemies had to acknowledge let me Let me look at a few verses here. Matthew 11, verse 3, beginning, Art art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? This was some of John's disciples that had been sent to him. Are you the one we're looking for? And they meant, are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? Are you the one we're looking for? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Right. So Jesus didn't repeat the claim. He said... Go, go explain to John what you've been seeing by virtue of the miracles that I am performing. They prove it. They, they And and his argument there is, the, the very miracles that I'm doing are the proof that you need in order to know that I am the one you're looking for. I am the Messiah. All right, so the blind are seeing, the lame are walking,
0: the lepers are cleansed, the deaf are hearing. Well, those are all very impressive miracles, but how about this? The dead are raised up. Uh, serious Miracles being done here, and uh, they show that Jesus is, in fact,
1: what he claims to be. I think that's right. Uh, John John said that that was the case in John chapter 20, beginning verse 30. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. John said Jesus did a lot of miracles. We didn't write them all down, but we did and they were intended, and our record of them is intended, to help you believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be. All right, now, again, these are somewhat sympathetic folks who are recording these. How about some hostile yeah, witnesses? Jesus said it himself, I'm doing these miracles to prove. His disciples said his miracles proved who he was. But they were his friends. But even his enemies, John 11, verse 47 this is after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter eleven. And in verse forty seven then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. So notice that the the uh, scribes and Pharisees did not deny that he was working miracles. Their only concern was if, if he if we keep letting him go, people are going to believe on him and we're gonna lose our power base. So, so that was their that was their big concern. All right. So they
0: they verify then that Jesus is working these miracles. If it was just a sham, or if it was just folks making this up, they would have shown the evidence. They
1: couldn't. Yeah, they couldn't deny. Yeah, if if Jesus was a mere charlatan, and if he was out there just doing sleight of hand trickery to to deceive people, these these Jewish rulers would have been able to detect that likely, and and would have exposed him if uh, really all you all you if if they could prove he was a fake that's all that they would have needed to do and i uh, you know i think that they would have had the power to do that for instance here's this lame guy and jesus claims to hail the lame guy but the lame guy was actually a plant and he was he was in on the trick that jesus was trying to to foist right. off on the people those Jewish rulers were powerful enough. They could have gone to that guy and said, "Come on, you tell the truth about this guy. Come clean, or 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 we you will you will live to regret it." They had that kind of power. In fact, you know, they tried to do that with the blind man that Jesus healed. Yep. They yep. went to his parents and they went to him and they tried to coerce them. Into denying that Jesus had actually done this miracle. I think that's in John 12. The parents kind of rolled over, and, uh, and I'm not sure that's John 12. I may be wrong about it. Yep. Uh, the parents kind of, uh, rolled over and, and, and say, yeah, "I'll him. go ask him." Yeah. But when they went to the guy who had actually the blind man who had been healed, he would not deny. In fact, he vocally proclaimed that Jesus had done it. Nine Acts, chapter nine. John nine. No, John
0: chapter nine. Sorry, yes, that's yeah. where that is. Uh, yes, and uh, so they were. They wanted desperately to prove that he was not working the signs and wonders that he was doing. They could not come up with the proof. They couldn't. They couldn't find the evidence to show that he wasn't. They, their hostile witness gives us confidence that Jesus was, in fact,
1: working the miracles that are recorded. So he had a sinless life. He worked the miracles. What else? Well, uh, I think one of the most powerful proofs, again, is the idea of fulfilled prophecy. But let's grab our our, uh, half-hour break. And when we come back, let's talk about how fulfilled prophecy proves Jesus to be the Son of God.
0: Back to the case we're building here. Jesus made the claims that he is the Son of God. Those around him made the claims. The hostile witnesses... That's what Jesus was claiming. Now, is there any proof for it? We've looked at a couple of proofs. The sinless life that Jesus lived, the miracles that he worked. Let's look at some others when we get back, and we'll take your thoughts. Fulfilled prophecy is a strong argument. We'll talk about it. Brendan is listening. Brendan, good to be with you tonight. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll send in your comments as well. Eight seven seven 381 4567 Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this.
2: Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after
1: this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. An older preacher was giving some advice and counsel to a younger one. His own preaching work had been marred by several incidents where folks had rejected his teaching, opposed him publicly, and caused him a fair amount of grief and hardship. Still, though, he continued to proclaim the truth and he encouraged his young friend to do the same. He warned the young man that there would be times when his preaching would not be well received. People would not like to hear hard preaching. They would prefer to listen to things that were more pleasant and less demanding. Teachers that played to their whims and fancies would become more popular, more positive and less negative preaching would be their wish, and they would insist that it be so. But despite all this, the older preacher urged the younger one to press on with his work. It wouldn't always be easy, but it was ultimately important. Who were these two preachers? Where and when was this advice given from the older to the younger? It could have been almost anywhere and any time, but we have reference to the encouragement penned by the Apostle Paul to the Evangelist Timothy. Some of the final words Paul ever wrote were these, quote, "...preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables." But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Second Timothy 4, verses 2 through 5. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it.
0: Hello, this is Preston Jackson
4: from Valdosta, Georgia, and you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study.
1: Missed a recent virtual
2: Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We'll start on
0: the program tonight. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You've never been out to our website. It is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Find us there and find out more about us at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And if you have questions or comments you'd like to share with us at any time, questions at collegefew.com is the email address to use to make contact with us. We're glad you're listening. And we look forward to hearing from you. We're talking about Jesus on the program tonight. And, well, we're getting a picture of exclusivity here. Jesus has claimed that he's the only begotten son of God, and we're seeing
1: proof and evidence that that is, in fact, the case. On Facebook, uh, Leanna is watching, jo- uh, Jonna is watching, and Sean is watching from Chelmsford, Massachusetts. And he says even the demon possessed knew who he was, showing authority. There you go. Good, good argument, I good.
0: think. Thank you for that comment. Mark is in the chat room on the thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and Mark says, wouldn't you have to at least subscribe to the Judeo-Christian God to argue Jesus' exclusivity? I don't think Buddhists are claiming they or the Buddha have the way to heaven. They don't even believe in heaven. I feel like when it comes to Jesus, the only real, he puts this in quotes,
1: contender is Muhammad. Yeah, we're going to talk about Muhammad in a minute because that's one of the questions we want to go to. We're going to establish what Jesus did and claimed and, and proved, and then we're going to con- contrast him to Muhammad, in, uh, uh, and and it it's not even close. But we'll we'll talk about that. Next, comment hang on on to that, Mark. Yeah. So right. we talked about sinless life. Jesus proved himself to be the Son of God by sinless life, by the miracles he worked, by fulfilled prophecy. The, the prophecies made about the Messiah in the Old Testament are really amazing, quite specific. Uh, there are over 300 prophecies about the coming Messiah in the Old Testament. Some of them are more general, but some of them are quite absolutely specific. And Jesus fulfilled them. Now, what you got to remember is that the Old Testament, the writing of the Old Testament was completed about 400 years before Jesus was born. And so along comes a man who begins to fulfill prophetic statements that were made centuries before. Uh, The the nearest prophetic statement in the Old Testament to the life of Jesus was 400 years and many were older. For instance, Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus. Isaiah is the one who wrote Isaiah 53 and told so specifically about how the Messiah would suffer and die and Jesus fulfilled all of that. Um, And so... Very impressive when you do a study of the prophecies. Um, I I just made a quick list here, and there's so many. Like I said, there's over 300. One of the things that I think we want to stress is that the prophecies, the impressive prophecies about Jesus were not the kind of prophecies that you could self-fulfill, if you understand what I mean. In other words, someone said, well, Jesus was a nut. Jesus was a lunatic. He knew the Old Testament, and he read those prophecies about the Messiah, and so he just went around trying to do the things that the Old Testament prophets had talked about. He he was self-fulfilling. He wasn't really the fulfillment, but he, he knew what the prophecies were, and therefore he just tried to live his life and do certain things to bring about the the fulfillment of prophecies he knew about. Certainly some of those he could have,
0: riding in Jerusalem on the donkey. Yeah. He, he could have done that.
4: Yeah. He but could there, even
1: maybe have
0: been, chosen to live in Nazareth to be... Uh, but anyhow the, well but the
1: the there are the, many the aspects of his birth and the place of his birth right. his lineage uh you, you can't pick your family you can't do that and you can't pick where you get born no uh the time of his coming was predicted in Daniel. You can't predict when you're going to be born. Exactly. He you can't really you couldn't really self-fulfill the the aspects of the way he would be betrayed and the price that would be paid to True. the betrayer. Zechariah 11 verses 12 and 13 spoke of that. Uh, his trial, his crucifixion. Uh again, so amazingly predicted in Isaiah chapter 53. You, he couldn't control what those Roman soldiers were doing right, to him. Right. And his burial, how he was buried. I don't, don't have much control over what they do with your body after no, you're dead. No. So those are just some examples of the kinds of things that that prophecies that were made of the Messiah, Jesus fulfilled them all. More than 300 in the Old Testament, Jesus fulfilled them all. There's a real interesting, and I, I think uh, probably most of our listeners have heard uh, this illustration before, but a man named Peter Stoner, uh, wrote a book called Science Speaks, and, and he was making the point, science speaks to the reality of Jesus as Savior. And he's a math, this Stoner was a mathematician, and he, he picked eight prophecies about Jesus. Uh, I don't have the list with me right here what they were, but they included things like where he was born, when he lived, and that sort of thing. Then he uh, he calculated the odds of somebody just by chance fulfilling eight specific prophecies of the Messiah. Now, the the, the, the odds become incredibly big or small. I don't know how you want to say that. Nah. Uh, the, uh, the odds would be hard to make. For instance, just born in Bethlehem. Well, that already excludes almost every man that was ever born small little town. It's a small little town. And in the history of this world, the number of people relative to the whole human population, the number of people who were ever born in that's Bethlehem a, is almost inconceivably small. That's a period with a lot of zeros after yeah. before you get to a number so of what, percentages. So what Stoner did is he took those kinds of odds and he, tr- he compounded them on just eight. Now, remember, there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus, but he took just eight, and he calculated that the odds of one man... Just by chance, fulfilling the prophecies of Jesus, 1 in 10 to the 17th power. Well, that's a number so big that even our federal government can't deal with those kinds wow. of numbers. that's more zeros than they have behind the national debt. Yikes. But to illustrate how that would work, he said if you took 10 to the 17th power of silver dollars, you could cover the whole state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars with that many silver dollars. Then he said one in 10 to the 17th power. He said mark one. Mark one of them. Put it in with all the rest and mix it up. Nobody knows where it is. Turn a man loose at the state line. let He can walk as far as he wants, as long as he wants. But he's finally got to stoop down and pick up one coin. What's the chances that he'll pick up that one marked coin? One right. in 10 to the 17th power. Crazy. It's, it's, we would say, effectively impossible. Right. I mean, for all intents and purposes, absolutely impossible. But that's what Jesus did. He fulfilled those prophecies and, and more. And fulfilled prophecies really make a really strong case for Jesus as the only begotten Son of God. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at com. In fact, i got to read one verse. Jesus said in John 5, verse 39, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Oh, okay. The Old Testament prophecies, he said, give testimony to him. All right. Well, there's one more. Uh, the ultimate proof, I think, the resurrection. And we don't have time to talk all about the resurrection uh, tonight and the proofs we've studied before, the the proofs that Jesus really was resurrected. But it, uh, And you go back in our archives, and, and there's more than one program in our archives that talk about the the proofs of the resurrection. But if you can establish that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, Everything else stands. Everything right. else stands. Okay. Uh, Paul said in Romans one verse four, he was declared to be the son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. All right. The ultimate proof is the resurrection. So
0: he said, if I I am the son of God, I, he made the claims. The scriptures back him up with the miracles and the, the fulfilled prophecy, the sinless life. But the final and ultimate proof is the fact that he was raised from the dead, God bearing witness to the things that he said by raising him from the dead.
1: Some people might ask, you know, everything that we've said tonight basically comes from the Bible uh, and is is described in the scriptures. Is there any external evidence, not from the Bible, but from some other source that even proves that there was such a man as Jesus, or is, is he just a figment of the imagination of some men They dreamed up a story, and they told it. Actually, we do have some historical references, and we know that Jesus was a real historical character. Um, Josephus in in the Antiquities of the Jews, volume 13, number 3. Now about this time, Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as receive the truth with pleasure, He was the Christ, and when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men amongst us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at the first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again the third day, as the divine prophets had foretold these and ten thousand other wonderful things concerning him, and the tribe of Christians so named from him are not extinct at this day. That's from the writings of Josephus. Some people think that part of that is a spurious addition to that quote uh, and and where he acknowledges him as the Christ uh, and and says, I don't even know if it's right to call him a man. Some people think that that someone got a hold of that and added that in the text at some point after Josephus wrote it. And that may be the case. I don't know. I'm not an expert on that analysis. Well, we don't need his
0: commentary,
4: right?
1: All we need is what we're saying here is he acknowledged the existence of a man named Jesus. And that part is without dispute, and nobody debates that. Josephus, the, he was a he was a Jewish historian. He had actually gone over to the Roman side, and and in, in the rebellion of seventy A.D. that led to the destruction of Jerusalem, Josephus was with the Romans, and so he witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem. He was a a Jew of that time period, and Josephus said there was a man named Jesus. So, his his, his historical reality is not in doubt. Nobody can say, I don't even think there was a man named Jesus. There certainly was a man named Jesus. Now back to the argument of C.S. Lewis. If there was a man named Jesus, he was either a liar, he was a lunatic, or he was the son of God. And really, all of the things that we're talking about here point to the confirmed conclusion that he was the son of God. Every once in a while you hear people say, and even interestingly, even the Muslims say this. The Muslims say, Jesus was a good man. He was a great prophet. He was one of the last great prophets. But Muhammad, they say, is the greatest of all. No, they can't have it that way. Can't have Nobody can. Ways. You can't say Jesus was a good man and a great moral teacher if he wasn't the Son of God. If he wasn't the Son of God, he was a liar yeah. or crazy. Nothing good about him if he's yeah. not
0: the Son of God. Yeah. And the evidence collaborates what he's saying uh, the fact that he lived a this sinless this life, that he did all the miracles that are recorded. We have hostile witnesses to both of those facts the fulfilled prophecy, and then lastly, the resurrection.
1: Let's grab our last break, Jacob. When we come back, uh, let's talk about some of the others. And, in, and specifically, we want to spend some time talking about Muhammad. We'll talk just briefly about Buddha. Uh, can any of the others come even close in comparison to what we've just been talking about Jesus? Do we
0: have to eliminate the others in order to have faith that Jesus is the only way to heaven do you need to study the others and and make sure that that they're not accurate that they are not the only way that they are not another way to heaven let us know your thoughts we'll get back to them on the other side of the break don't go anywhere the virtual bible study continues right after this
2: are you listening there's going to be a test on this stuff stay tuned the virtual bible study will be right back after this
4: this is monty overton a member of the college view church of christ thanks for listening to the virtual bible study We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century. There it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten. There it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty. There it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned. There it stands. Emperors decree its extermination. There it stands. Atheists rail against it. There it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, there it stands. Profane prayerless punsters caricature it, there it stands. Unbelief abandons it, there it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration, there it stands. The flames are kindled against it, there it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it, there it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment, there it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away, there it stands.
1: We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. Occasional mild spankings of young children are okay and do not cause any lasting harm that carries into adolescence. Such discipline does not hurt youngsters' social or emotional development. A lot of people out there advocate that any spanking at all is detrimental, and that's not what we found. That's a quote from Elizabeth Owens, taken from a report presented at a meeting of the American Psychological Association. The Word of God says in Proverbs 29, beginning verse 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul.
2: Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the
0: program. We're back on the program tonight, and uh, Jeff in the chat room has provided the number 10 to the 17th power. 10. He, showed,
1: he actually wrote it out. Yeah, looking that up, that's... Uh, looks to be a quintillion. Yeah, he said that's one quintillion. I wouldn't know about that. But that's bigger than that's uh, quite a bit bigger than the national debt. Yeah. So thank
0: you Jeff for doing that uh, mathematical research and saving us from hurting our head on that tonight. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Mark uh, asked is it possible that there's another op- uh, option
1: that his followers created legends around him. It happened with many other historical characters. Okay, I think that's a, f- a fair question. Uh, everything that we've been saying about Jesus—is it possible that his disciples exaggerated the claims and, uh, you know, sort of beefed it up, embellished yeah. it, yeah. if you will, to make a buck or two? Yeah. Yeah. What would Sell have been their, Souvenirs, maybe. What would have been their motive for doing so? Well, think about that. What would have been their motive for exaggerating the claims about Jesus and lying about him? Did it make them rich and famous? No, no. Actually, they lost everything, and many of them lost their lives. They uh, why would they Why would they embellish a story, lie about it, and stand by it to the point of death? Uh, you know that 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 doesn't work. It, 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 and again we don't have we don't have centuries for this embellishment take place it would have had to happen in the first century and early part of the second century because we've got bible text manuscript evidence that dates into the second century less than a hundred years after the the last apostle died so it's not like we had centuries for this story to evolve and be embellished it would have had to happen in that in, in within the first couple of generations of those christians and in that time frame they were being persecuted uh, intensely, why would they endure that persecution if they knew that the story they were telling was a made-up fairy tale?
0: Mark says, "What was our motive for chopping down a cherry tree?" In other words, what was the motive for
1: telling taking that, up story. that story? Telling he that
0: story. says, "People do amazing things in the name of faith. Why? What's the difference you know, between George Washington chopping down the cherry tree and Jesus raising from the dead of the third day?"
1: Nobody ever got killed for telling the story that George Washington chopped down a, fairy, uh, a cherry tree. You know you could tell that story, people might you know laugh at you and say you're foolish to believe it, but they're not going to throw you in jail uh and and then ultimately execute you for telling that story. But in the case of these Christians, they told the truth that they knew of Jesus, they talked about their eyewitness status, and they were willing to die for it among the original apostles, history tells us that all except the Apostle John died violent deaths by way of persecution. Why? If they knew that the story they were telling... And again, you, you, you can't say that it's evolved. The story has evolved tremendously over 2,000 years because we can go back uh, to the 2nd century with manuscript evidence demonstrating what they taught. In fact, demonstrating that the story in our New Testaments is the same story they were telling. It didn't, they didn't have any reason. They didn't have any motive to be telling that lie. Now
0: listen, they, remember the story of Jesus' uh, betrayal... How many of the apostles had enough courage to stand with Jesus? None. And then Jesus dies, he's buried, he's resurrected, and within a matter of about two months, it appears, that Peter and John are standing before the same people that they had run away from as cowards, the same people that crucified Jesus, and they tell Peter and John, stop talking about this. Peter and John turn into cowards, turn tail and run again? No, no. They say, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard in Acts chapter 4. So they saw something that changed them from being
1: terrible cowards... So being willing to go through whatever it took to get the word out. Exactly right. Uh, Mark says uh, as follow-up. So death or something gives it credibility. Many people have died for faiths beside Christianity. It's true that they have, but we're talking about this case specifically. We think there are. We think there have been misguided people who were willing to die for things, but in this instance, we're talking about the claims of Jesus, the proof that these people had seen, and again. Their willingness to die for it proves that they had seen those things. They had seen, especially the resurrection of Jesus. They weren't just telling the story; they had been there. They had seen it. John said, "We touched him. We handled him with our hands." Uh, so they were they were dying for something that they were absolutely certain was true. Certainly, pe- deceived people have died for all sorts of things, but these men were not deceived. They were eyewitnesses. eyewitnesses. Real quickly, before we run out of time, we promised we would talk briefly about a couple of others. Now, I want to restress what we said at the start, Jacob. Once you have established the absolute truth that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, then really you don't have to even look at anybody else. If If Jesus is who he claimed to be, I don't even have to talk about Muhammad. I don't even have to talk about Buddha because they can't be. The way Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the The, truth, and the life. I am the way. I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Well, that's really exclusive. And so if he is who he claimed to be, then taking that exclusive statement, John 14, verse 6, I don't have to think about anybody else. Jesus said he's the only way. In John 8, verse 24, Jesus said... Except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. You've got to believe in Jesus. In Acts 4, verse 12, Peter said uh, there is salvation in no other name other than Jesus. Right. Acts 4, verse 12. So uh, in regards to all of that, uh, again, I I have to acknowledge I have not thoroughly read the Koran. I've read parts of it, but not just fractional parts of it. I don't know a lot about the teachings of Buddha, just a little, not a lot. But the fact of the matter is, if I didn't know anything at all about those men, it wouldn't it wouldn't change the conclusion Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. That's the absolute truth. All right. If you want to chime in,
0: 877-381-4567. It's toll free. And we've got some time here at the end of the program to take your
1: thoughts. 877-381-4567. Let's compare Muhammad with Jesus. Now, we said there were four things that that proved Jesus to be the only begotten Son of God. One was a sinless life. Muhammad didn't live a sinless life. In fact, there are quite explicit accounts of some of the atrocious things that he did. He was ruling in the city of Medina, and he made a treaty in which he promised not to attack Mecca for 10 years, but he attacked them the very next year. He lied. That's just one example. In fact, the truth of the matter is Muhammad himself never claimed sinlessness and actually admitted that he was guilty of sin. So in regards to the sinless life, Jesus lived it. Muhammad didn't even claim to. And we know historically, remember that Muhammad lived some 600 years after Jesus. And so there's a lot of secular history that uh, relates accounts concerning Muhammad and his deeds he didn't claim a sinless life, and history bears out that he, that he did sinful things. Um, miracles. We said that the miracles of Jesus prove who he is. Well, there are no serious claims that Muhammad did any miracles to confirm that his message was from God. There are no eyewitness accounts of miracles that he supposedly did. Now, Whenever this point is raised, the the Muslims will argue that one night Muhammad said he was carried to Jerusalem and he ascended to heaven and saw wondrous visions. But here's the catch. No one saw that happen. And his wife said he never left the bed that night. Mm. So he had a dream. I, I dreamed I was in Cleveland last night trying to, to get to the airport and I didn't make it you didn't make it to the airport in Cleveland no that's bad you to but does that, that prove that does that prove something no it proves I had a crazy dream yeah right yeah. uh and and that's all the, in fact that's the only one significant claim I think that the Muslims ever make about Muhammad performing miracles it yeah. was a it was a night it was a dream or a nightmare what about fulfilled prophecy so we said Jesus lived sin his life he worked miracles Muhammad didn't do either of those what about prophecy were they prophecies? Well, there are hundreds of prophecies, as we said in the Old Testament, about Jesus. There are no prophecies about Muhammad. Now, Muslims, interestingly, claim that they believe in the Old Testament, and they believe in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They believe that aspect of the Old Testament story. But the, the best they can do is to claim that the prophecies about Muhammad were originally in the Bible, but they were removed by the Jews and the Christians. Oh. In other words, they're saying, "Ah, well, the reason they're not there is because the Jews and the Christians took them out." Yeah. But of course, manuscript evidence proves otherwise. Okay. Right. Um, uh, and so they can't establish that there are any prophecies about Muhammad. And then certainly the resurrection. We said the ultimate proof of Jesus as the Son of God is the resurrection. But the, the, the Muslims don't even claim. Nobody claims that Muhammad was resurrected from the dead. That's, that's, not, even, that's not even on the table. That's not even, that's not even something they claim uh, concerning Muhammad. So, again, think about the, the four proofs. We said Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, and he proved it by, by miracles which he worked, by fulfilled prophecies that we see in his life, and ultimately by the resurrection of the dead. And in regards to Muhammad, not one of those things stands as a proof that he is anything other than a man. All right. So, what we were saying, Jesus is unique, he's special, he he's distinct from all others. And what what did we say earlier about 25% of the world's population is Muslim. 32% of, uh nominally at least follow Jesus Christ. That 25% is following some man for which there are no there are no conf- Confirmations of his identity as anybody special other than just being a man. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. What about Buddha? Okay, about Buddha. Buddha. Buddhism dates back to about five hundred and sixty B.C. Okay, Long Islam is way later than Christianity. Islam six hundred some odd years was established six hundred and some odd years after Christianity began. But Buddhism began 500 and some odd years prior to Christianity. So it's actually an older form of religion. Uh, It originated in the mind of a Hindu monk named Siddhartha Gautama. Mm -hmm. Uh, He claimed that he was the last or the latest in a series of what he identified as enlightened ones. Mm -hmm. Enlightened ones are Buddhas. -hmm. The enlightened ones are the Buddhas, and he was the last in that chain of enlightened ones. He was Buddha. Uh, He distance of God, uh, but he taught that searching for God is not a useful enterprise. You can't really know God. Mm -hmm. Uh, He Buddha himself made no claims to be divine. Uh, He didn't even claim to have any authority other than for himself and what he was doing. He provided. No evidence whatsoever that what he said was right or, for that matter, useful or meaningful uh, beyond his time. Okay. So uh, about 10% of the world's population follow or practice the religion of Buddhism founded by that original, or the, I guess I wouldn't say original, the last of the Buddhas, Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama, who started out as a Hindu monk and then, and then got this thing going. Uh There's, of course, an awful lot written about Eastern religions, but none of the things that we know come even close to the confirmations that we have about Jesus Christ. Now, I want to repeat what we said earlier. This is about the third or fourth time I've said this. If we knew everything there was to know about Buddhism, if we knew everything there was to know about Islam, it wouldn't really matter because once we have found the absolute truth that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God and the only way to the Father. That's, that's what he says. I am going. the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, John 14, verse 6. Once we have established that as being so, these I think it's useful to be knowledgeable about these other world religions. It doesn't hurt a thing. We need to be able to speak knowledgeably about them. But the fact matters. If we didn't know anything about them, it wouldn't change the truth.
0: Once we know the truth, then we, everything else will pale in comparison. We have the truth, and we can stand on that and be confident in that. Exactly right. All right, Kyle. We have not heard from you all night tonight. Uh, any comments on what we've said?
3: No, it's just a, it's a good study, especially with uh, <clears> the <throat> yeah. Buddhism is uh, just about being in love, right with the environment, right with the world, and it's not really a. It's not looking for heaven. It's just searching for peace in this. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. All right. Kyle made a big sacrifice to be with us tonight. He's a big Nashville Predators hockey fan. they got a big playoff game going on. Kyle has forsaken the watching of that game in order to help us tonight.
0: All right. Uh, Mark, yeah, thank you, Kyle, for that sacrifice. And uh, Mark says, I would genuinely like to hear an episode about how the Bible came to be. I think that Jesus was a real person, and I think he had a good message, but I don't think that the Bible, the New Testament, is most... But I do think the Bible is mostly fan fiction about a legendary, inspiring man, Jesus Christ, and that how he got to be, how he, how he got what we have now, was the decision of a bunch of men. I know you all know about the Council of Nicaea, but I'm opening open to being wrong. Again, would we'll definitely tune in for that episode. Thanks uh, for engaging with me. Thank you, Mark, for engaging with us. Yeah, and Mark. For... Thanks.
1: And, and by the way, Mark, there is an episode. Maybe more than one, but I know there's at least one in our archives. How we got the New Testament, but we can let's we, do it again. We can do it again. Let's do it again. Mark, in the coming weeks, we'll try to do that. Mark, again. if
0: you're not on our update list, make sure you get signed up there so that you can stay tuned for that. And let's let's talk about that. We'll
1: do that soon. And uh, uh, again. Uh, I appreciate your open mindedness. Yeah, thank you, Mark, uh, for that
0: and for joining us tonight on the program. Uh, Oh, Mark says, let's do it live. Yeah, Mark, if you want to be a part of that, uh, we can certainly uh, arrange for that. Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. It's open to any of our listeners. Questions at collegeview.com. Uh, dot com. All right, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening tonight. And, uh, Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Uh, thank you, Kyle, again, for being here with us. It's good to be here. And uh, we hope you make plans to we'll be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.